Bonnie and Brian Pugh are uh, new friends to us in some ways. We've sort of known them from a distance. Uh, when we go to conferences and different things, we say hello, and that's about it. But we're going to get a chance to, to really get to know them, and, and you will as well. Uh, they're just a, a wonderful couple with a great testimony of faithfulness to the Lord, and uh, they're good people character-wise, and uh, they love Jesus. They love each other. You'll, you'll find out more about them uh, as, as they share. But I'd like to, uh, to ask you, if you would, please to welcome them to come right now in the name of the Lord. So glad you're here. God bless you. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Pastor Mike. So good to be here with you guys this morning. How are we doing? Are we alive? You all had your coffee? So you guys are going to shout me down when I preach? You guys are going to be a lot of amens and a lot of interaction? Because sure, I'll go right till 1.30 if we don't, all right? So it's awesome. <laughs> I don't have that much to say. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he's not even into his intro yet. That's so good. Um, anyways, my name's Brian, and this is my lovely wife, Bonnie. And she is 33, if you can imagine that. She, gets, she, she just started getting into the early 20s now. I don't know if I'm going to be in trouble because I just gave your age to everybody. So, like, but anyways, we are, uh, we've been married for 11 years. We just celebrated 11 years uh, on November, 11, November 10th, excuse me. So, remember and stay weekend so I never forget my anniversary, right? Um, and uh, we have five boys, and I think we've got a picture of them, actually. They're up there. There's a picture of them. That's us. That's our posse. Um, that's Caleb up on my arm. He's four, uh, going on 14. And uh, just to the left, that's Micah, and on the other, on the right-hand side, that's Samuel. They're identical twins. They're actually 10 years old, which is, that's, that's wild to think that they're already 10. Haddon um, is just there next to, next to Micah. He is uh, 8 years old, and Charlie in the front there is 6. So we, uh, if we could make your prayer list, that'd be really great. Um, we need a lot of help, but God's been gracious, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, just, we're on such a neat, neat journey. Um, we've kind of stepped out into something Bonnie's going to share with you just in a few minutes. But um, we're, we're stepping out into what the Lord has really called us to. And uh, we're doing it as a family. Um, and speaking of family, I want to give some honor where honor is due to my mom. This is my mom right here. You guys can wave. This is Terry. And actually, we have a really crazy connection to White Rock because I grew up in Crescent Beach. Any Crescent Beach people? There's a few. They, they, there we go, in the back. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. I, um, we moved to Abbotsford when I was five, but, you know, those were good five years in Crescent Beach. So, And I got some really great friends here, Casey and Molly. These are part of our team and our friends, and they're just great to be with us here today. So um, I'm going to pass it off to Bonnie, and she's going to share a little bit of what we're stepping out into. So, Yeah, hello. So, yeah, my name is Bonnie, and we are really happy to be here with you guys today. We had an awesome time uh, with Mike and Ev a couple a couple months ago probably just hearing their heart and they really love you guys that's super cool so it's fun to be here and to see the group of people that they have dedicated their lives to and yeah they just were speaking of you just the the destiny and the things that God is showing them of how they want this place to grow and so thank you for having us uh, we yeah we're really excited we've been in a process this year coming into the new year um, we both felt in our spirit the Lord said something like 
adventure. There's going to be something new this year. We didn't even know what it was going to all entail, but it, uh, there's a verse that talks about how there, there's purposes or dreams in your heart, and it takes wisdom to draw it out. So there's destiny that we all have, a calling, a purpose that God has given to each one of us, and it takes time, and it kind of takes like a process to figure out, to put words to the thing that you know you're made to do. And so this year, uh, we were with our senior leaders at our church, Mitch and, Mitch and Bonnie Boros from Hill City Church in Abbotsford, and they said, if you could do anything, what would you do? And we started to just really put words to the reality that we, for years now, have been desiring um, to speak a message into the culture about God's design for sexuality and his heart for restoration in the culture. Because we, we believe that those foundations of not only our personal identity, but then our relationships with one another and our um, interactions and, and what we think about our own sexuality really is um, foundational to the strength of a nation. So, so we said, okay, what does that look like? And so we've been... Um, creating, uh, and what we have now, it's called the union, is what it is. And it's the thought of each individual person finding unity, things that we've seen, things we've heard, things, you know what I mean. Um, There's so much brokenness, but God wants to bring us back into a place of wholeness. And then he also wants to bring us into a place of wholeness in our relationships with one another, within our marriages, and within families, and ultimately with him and within the body of Christ. So it's called the union. And we also, we call it the union because we know it's not just about one person's voice, but it is about the rising of many voices that would stand up and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And I once was broken, but now I'm healed. And to say God's way actually works and it actually brings freedom and to kind of raise it. For so long, it, it's just been silence. You know, the, all around us, outside the church walls, there's lots of opinions yelling in our faces. And the church has to start to, in humility, raise their voice and say, actually, God is not cruel and he's not a killjoy. And his boundaries and his standards actually bring freedom to us and joy and so to raise a voice, a unity, a union of people who will be brave and ex- maybe even expose their dark past for the sake of others who maybe need to find freedom. So um, so we're doing that. We are um, developing resources and content. Um, if you want to, sh- yeah, if you want to go th- um, keep going through the slides, some of our key words is truth, hope, and destiny. The truth of God's design, the hope that there is always hope, no matter your past, it doesn't have to dictate your future, um, and destiny, the reality that no matter where you've come from, there is a purpose for you, and that God loves to build the kingdom with people just like Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute and had demons cast out of her. And he said, why don't you be the first one to declare that, that the Savior is risen, right? He loves to build the kingdom with people who've been restored from a dark, painful past. So those are, yeah, we're dedicated to those things. And we're, um, if, yeah, I guess you can go through the slides. I kind of already said most of what the slides say. So truth, God's design for sexuality and relationships It's meant to be life-giving, free from shame. There is hope for restoration for anyone who's been affected by negative sexual experience. We were talking about miracles this morning. I love that because we believe in a God who knows how to heal our bodies. What about a God who could heal our neurological pathways? What about a God who who could break off 
the, the sting of our memories, where we could look back and maybe there would be a scar, but there wouldn't be a wound anymore, right? What about a miracle like that? And then destiny, no matter your story, there's a purpose in Jesus. And so we are, yeah, we're developing resources and content. We're going to, we have a website. You can find us um, at theunionmovement.com. And on there, we're going to have, we have already, we're gathering stories from people who are bravely opening their, opening up their hearts with the internet and saying, this is what old you are. You could be a 90-year-old woman and you might say, when I was young, I, I had an abortion but God has healed me or something. You know, you know what I mean? That matters. That matters to a 22-year-old who thinks, will I always feel this pain? Will I always feel the shame and regret? And for an older generation to say, no, you can be free and you can find healing in the arms of Jesus. So no matter your age, no matter where you're at, we'd welcome your stories. Um, you'll, there's a form on there that you can fill out. And you can do it anonymously too because I know sometimes stories can get complex and include other people that you're not able to tell their story. So you can do it anonymously as well. Um, and then we're also committed to um, hosting events and attending events where we can talk about that kind of stuff. In churches, we're working with um, a private school right now, talking in elementary age, kind of foundations of this stuff um, so that they can be set up for success. Um, and then we're also, uh, sorry, my mind's blanking. I'm like, oh, I can look behind me. Um, we're also wanting to uh, do training and multiplying of voices where everyone could be bold enough to talk about this stuff in front of others, even if it's in a small group or with one friend. We, you know, like, this is how we can talk about it. Here, and here, are, the, God's not afraid to talk about it. All over the Bible, he talks about the issues of sexuality and relationships and that kind of stuff. So we also need to be brave. Um, yeah, so I think that's all I would want to sh- say. We're going to be... Um, um, launching a, a podcast in the next couple of weeks so you can find us on there too uh, and then we also have a little bit of merchandise like some sweaters and tote bags and stuff like that what we're hoping is that we can develop content that could that people could wear or have in their home that could be conversation starters so right now it just has the union what's the union truth hope destiny you could start talking about it direct people to a website but then also eventually to have stuff that would have a have a message that you could wear that would be hopefully in a trendy way. So, yeah. So that's what uh, that's what I'm going to share now. Brian is going to open up the word and kind of show you one of the portions of scri- multiple portions of scripture where God talks about this stuff. So, awesome. Thanks, Put your hands together for Bonnie. So, um, can I just can I just tell you guys a story really quick about Bonnie and I? So. Uh, I got saved in 2003, and, uh, you know, I always say I got radically saved in 2003, but I think all salvation is radical, you know what I mean? Like, you go from darkness to light, you know what I mean? You go from death to life, and, um, but when I started going to Hill City Church in Abbotsford, which was Abbotsford Christian Assembly at the time, um, I'm walking up to a youth event that night, and, and I see this young lady sitting on the outside of the building with her back up against the wall. She's writing in her journal. You're doing biology homework. That's right, because that's my claim to fame right there. My dad's a biology teacher. She was doing her biology homework, right? That was my in. My dad teaches biology. I've never shared with anybody in my life that my dad was a biology teacher until that moment, and that led to me getting married. But anyways, um, so, um, but something really funny, I was walking up to her, and like, I'm, I'm new to spiritual things. I'm new to this whole Christianity thing. But I hear this voice say, this is your wife. 
And I'm like, first of all, where did that voice come from? And second of all, I don't even know this woman. I don't even know this girl. So, anyways, I did keep it in my, I, keep it, I kept it quiet. I didn't tell her. I actually didn't tell her until we, we were engaged, right? Yeah, so that's some good wisdom for you. If you feel like God's telling you that this is your wife or this is your husband, you just treasure those things in your heart and talk to somebody else who's an authority over your life and not that person. Amen? Amen. All right, prayer team, you can come. and we're Awesome. Well, why don't we get into the Word this morning? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk to you a little bit out of Ephesians. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Um, for all of you who are like really intense doctrinal people and love to just like take a verse and like rip it apart and look at the Greek, look at the Hebrew and all this stuff. And like you barely speak English, but you're looking into the Greek words and all this stuff. Um, we're not exactly going to do that today. Okay. Okay. Just so you can kind of make some peace with it. That we're not just going to go in and rip the word apart and really, we're going to kind of go up to 30,000 feet. And we're going to look down onto the culture through the eyes of Scripture. And with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God's going to deposit something in you that's going to change your life forever. Because that's what His Word does. Have any amens there? Amen. Okay, I got the right people this morning. Okay, Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Ephesians 5 and verse 1. Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus. And in verse 1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Isn't that amazing? That Christ also loved you, and he gave himself up for you. Verse 3, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, uh, coarse jesting, excuse me, which are not fitting, but are rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now, come on somebody, now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is ple- try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And I want you, I'm gonna just, we're going to really focus on this one verse right here, okay? You ready? Verse 11. Do not participate do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Why don't you just pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for these amazing people, God, that you love so much who are here today. God, that you desire to speak to, to heal, to restore, and to empower today, God, by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word that it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. 
and is able to, to divide even between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Lord, come and do that this morning like only you can, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a hearty amen. Amen. Sex is beautiful. <laughs> Everybody's like, do, is that where we say amen? It's, are we in, we're in church. Where are we? Sex is beautiful. I think a lot of times we struggle with that, right? I think that's why there's sometimes a hesitation. It's like, did he just say sex is beautiful in church? There's a hesitation. But I can say this confidently, that God's design for something is always good. Always good. And I think we're living in a time right now where the war seems to be on for that very subject of God's design of sexuality and God's design of humanity. Boy, girl, does it really matter? Natural design for attraction to the opposite sex, is that really even... Is that even really necessary or is that just some archaic thought? Is that just some kind of old, conservative, traditional viewpoint that I'm just not going to accept? The battle is on. And it's intense, right? Don't you feel that? You can feel like the the intensity of the battle, it's on. It's in your face. And if if ever you were to suggest otherwise, if you were to ever suggest that somehow actually God's design for man and woman to be in marriage with with each other before God is the only way to to experience the blessing in which that, that covenantal relationship was designed to have, you're a bigot, you're a hate monger, and you're a narrow minded something, something, something. Right? Right? And I think sometimes we get, we get overwhelmed. And I know I feel this some way too. It's like, it's, it's just, it's never been like this. It's never been like this. This is crazy. I can't believe we're talking about some of the stuff that we're talking about. Like, the, I think it was the University of Portland that came out that there was 32 different genders. 32. And listen, I understand, I want to be very compassionate and very understanding that there's people who are hurting. There's people with a lot of brokenness and shame, and we're going to get to that place today. But there's a lot of people who are carrying that stuff, and they are trying to find a way to escape the shame. They're trying to find a way to escape the pain, and they think, okay, if I, I, all, like, even as you think about the young women in our culture today, where the, the main message to them is saying that you're primarily sexual. The most important part of who you are, daughter, is your sexuality and your power to attract. And you better use that, you better manipulate that in order to get the love that you always wanted. That's the message to young women in our culture. So you can imagine, as a young lady growing up in today's day, that if, okay, this, this brings me, I, I feel the predatory attack towards this, this part of who I am. So if I'm going to be safe, if I'm going to protect my heart, I either need to give into it wholeheartedly and pretend like I don't care, and I can just have broken relationship after broken relationship and pretend it's all great, and put on the whole, you know, um, cosmopolitan look like, hey, 
it's, it's no big deal. I have meaningless sexual experience all the time, and it doesn't do any damage to my heart. I can either do that, or I can reject that part of who I am and just be like, I'm not going to give my heart to men ever, and I'm going to pursue women because they're safe. That's the war that's going on. And we can think, man, it's never been like this before. It's never been like this. And you need to know something. It's actually always been like this. Do you know, like, this, this letter that we just, re- we just read from, that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, it was this, this, God was planning a church. He was birthing a movement of Christ's followers in a culture that worshipped false God through sexual experience and through human sacrifice. The temple of Diana. If you read, if you read the New Testament, you see, what is this temple of Diana? It was a, it was a temple that was designed for sexual experience. You could come and worship Diana through different types of sexual experience. And it wasn't just in the New Testament. What is, have you ever read the prophets? Like, what are they talking about when they talk about the high places? What are these places? Is it just a place with a view? Right? No, actually, it was a place where there was altars, where there were sacrifices made, sometimes human, sometimes otherwise. But it was also a place where there would be sexual experience. And I I know this is getting really intense right off the bat, okay? I need you to stick with me. We're going to get to some good news here. We're just going to walk through the bad news, okay? Can we do that? Can you hang in with me? Okay, I know I've got the right people. I believe in you. Okay? But actually, there was these gods, the the false gods of Molech and Asherah. And actually, Asherah, they would cut down trees and make it look like the male sex organ. And this is how we're going to worship. It was, if I could say it this way, it was this cultural invitation to sexual participation. And that's where Jesus was planting his church in that culture. You know, I really do believe that God's good. And I do really believe that the devil's bad. Right? And I know sometimes in theology and in like Christian circles now, there's some debate over that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some of the things we're questioning these days, even in the church, is just like, are you serious, man? Really? But um, I really do believe that, like just like Jesus says, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates the very mark of God that is on your life. He hates the fact that you are made in his image and you bear his likeness and he wants to destroy your life. How is he doing it? Isaiah 14 talks about how this this enemy, how Satan weakens the nations. Well, how is he weakening the nations, folks? Is he cutting down the Wi-Fi? Is he unplugging the Wi-Fi? Is he going all to Starbucks and messing with the modems? And is he restricting the flow of, of coffee beans into hipster coffee shops? Is that what he's doing to destroy a generation? Come on, you guys are with me, right? Like, I'm, I'm trying to keep it light here. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? Like, how is, how is he wrecking people's lives? I'm sorry, the first row might get wet here this morning. How is he wrecking people's lives? I know how he did it in my life. 
As a five-year-old young boy, I was exposed to pornography. I'm 33 now. That was way before the Internet. So you can imagine right now we have some seven, eight-year-olds, 12-year-olds walking around with cell phones in their pocket. You, you, th- <laughs> you think it maybe hasn't gotten a little bit more intense. But as a five-year-old little boy exposed to pornography, changed the way I saw women and appealed to a part that God had actually designed in me. But it twisted that part. And instead of being a man who would sacrifice and do what is right instead of what is easy, I started to pursue broken relationships with girls in order to get what I wanted from them. And I became a predator and not a protector. Man, you need to know that that's who you're called to be is a protector, not a predator. You're made not to be bound by your lower nature, but you're made to receive grace to rule over that part of your life instead of it ruling over you. That's, that's the grace of God. That's what grace does in men. It causes them to sacrifice. It causes them to lay down their life, to protect, to be a voice of righteousness. Come on, we play hurt, Right? Men, this is what we do. We play hurt. Coach, don't take me out. I'll do what I have to do to win. Well, hey, men, there is a battle on for our sisters right now. And either you can be part of the answer or you can be part of the problem. But you can't walk that line. You can't walk that fence. Because Satan owns that fence. Thanks, Mike. They could count on you. But how does he do it? How does the enemy ruin destinies? This area of sexuality. He starts to make this whole area of sexuality the end-all and the be-all of life. This is the highest... Talk openly, like we're not already doing that. (laughs) If sexuality is the highest human experience, then would not prostitutes be the most happiest people on the face of the planet? Think about that. They'd be skipping down the street, right? I love it when I have broken relationships with men and then they leave me. I love just giving this part of my heart away time and time again and being used and discarded. You and I both know that that's not true. You know, history shows that each nation is only as strong as the church in that nation. And the church is only as strong as the families, the relationships, the individuals that make up those churches. So I want, to, I want you to know, you finding healing is part of God's great picture to bring revival to Canada. That you as a young man or a young woman standing and saying, God, I'm going to live to honor you and I'm going to not let this area be distorted and become the ruler of my life, but I'm going to love you and I'm going to submit this part of my life to you. That is God's revival answer for Canada, is for young men, old men, young ladies, old ladies to say, God, I want to live for you and you alone and I'm going to be a voice of righteousness, I'm going to be compassionate, I'm going to be understanding, but I am going to stand for truth. Because 2 Chronicles 7.14 says what? It says, if my people. God's saying, if my people, who are called by my name, 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. What does God do? He says that I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. So you can be part of the revival answer today. If you humble yourself, you pray, you seek his face, and you turn. Man, the power of turning, I think, is so amazing. This is something that we've lost. We've, this, this whole idea of repentance and turning away and just saying, yeah, God, that's what I used to do. That's who I used to be. But in a moment, you can turn. And you can find grace. And you can find healing. You can find for forgiveness. And you don't have to be marked by what you did yesterday. You can be marked by the reality of the grace of Jesus. When you turn... We want to have a voice in the culture, but we're not willing to turn in the church, and I think that's a problem. Kind of two separate calls in verse 11. Like I said, we're going to focus on that just really quickly here. Do not participate, or in some translation may say, have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So there's this call to personal holiness. There's this call to like, yes, you're going to live uprightly before God. I'm going to repent of known sin. I'm going, to, I'm going to get up when I fall down because even that's a righteous act, right? A righteous man, though he falls seven times, he gets up again, right? That's, that's a righteous act of getting up again, okay? So I'm going to walk in transparency. I'm going to walk in confession. I'm going to walk in accountability with brothers and sisters in my life. And I'm going to get them to pray for me like James 5, 16 said, be healed. Right? So we wouldn't be marked by those things anymore. Yeah, that's your yesterday. Yeah, that happened. But you're going a different direction now. Right? That's the atmosphere the church is supposed to be. Right? Okay? And that, that is our personal call where Paul's saying having nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. So we are walking uprightly in the light, aware of God's, God's seeing eye, walking in the fear of the Lord, not being afraid of God, but be so... So seeing his love so radically that you don't want to break his heart, right? That's the call. Have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And I think a lot of times that's where we stop. Well, I don't do it. The culture is going that way. I don't do it. So we're fine. We'll just hold on until Jesus comes. Okay, everybody grab the chair in front of you and just hold on tight until Jesus comes. But we have this mandate that Paul is saying that we're not just, we're, yes, we're not to have anything to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but we are to expose them. How do we expose them? You ever wondered, how do you expose that? What, what exposes darkness? Light. I knew I had the right crowd today. Light dispels darkness, right? Well, how do we bring light to a culture of darkness? Do we just go get some halogen lamps and plug them in and maybe change the name of our church to Light Church and maybe everything will shift? How, how did God create light? With His words. With His words. He said, light come, light be. And light was. So we have the same, if we're, let's even look at the, the greater context of Ephesians 5. We're supposed to be imitators of God. So the atmosphere of the church should be that of light where the truth is preached and declared and shame and darkness and pain and guilt is broken. 
That's the atmosphere the church is supposed to be. But that is also the voice that we're supposed to bring to the culture. We're supposed to be speaking into the culture. And a lot of times we go like, well, just flee youthful lust, okay? Just, just stop it. Just stop it. Prayer team, come. You know, like that's, that's our answer. And the, the generations out there is going like, are you serious? But when you start to put, like, I even put some words to it there, right? When I was talking to the men about what you're made for. There was something going, yeah, you're right. You're right. And when I say to the women that you're primarily relational and secondarily sexual, you're going, "Mm mm-hmm, preach it. (laughs) Right, ladies? You're made to be valued for who you are as a person, not for what you can give a man sexually. But you're meant to experience the beauty of that sexuality where you are in covenant relationship with somebody. Where you can freely express that. Right? They got the right people? See, we change our dialogue and we, we come at it from a different angle. We speak the language of the culture. We're not changing the message because that really, that's right out of the scriptures. That's right out of God's design. So we change our message we maybe, or excuse me, we change our methodology and we can get the ears of a culture. But see, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this really quickly. Uh, just about a month ago, I was standing in my kitchen. We just moved to a new place. We sold our house in Abbotsford and we're living out in a place called Dudney. I don't even know if you knew that that place existed. Dude. Everybody drives through Dudney. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we are living there. Um, but anyways, in our kitchen, I look out our window, and probably like 400 yards off, we get these freight trains that go by all the time, right? And uh, these trains are huge. Like, they're just car after car after car. And it's like so great when they come by when you're trying to leave. You know what I mean? Because it's like there's two ways out of this area. And if a big train's there, it's like there's no way you're getting anywhere, which is kind of concerning, actually, now that I think about it. It's like natural disaster. Like, where, where am I going? Um, but anyways, I was in the kitchen, and I saw this train going by, and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me that, that that was a representation of a lot of people, that there's these, they are these freight trains, and wherever they go, they bring with them their shame and their guilt and their pain and their regret and their constant reminder of the things that they did. And I felt like the Lord said, he's like, this is what I want to do to people. I want to unhook all that stuff from them. And then hook, hook up the car of my glory and the reality of Christ in their life so that wherever they go, they bring that. Wow, come on. Beautiful. Beautiful. And this is what the church is supposed to be like. This is who we're supposed to be. So God spoke into the darkness. He spoke with light, with his words. We need to begin to take the lid off of some of this stuff. And when we allow the light, when we just even just start to talk about it, just even talk about shame, when we start to talk about things that you've done and the reality of God's forgiveness for your life, that, that Jesus' price paid on the cross was enough for you to present you righteous, spotless, and blameless before him. And actually that God, God loves to do that in your life. He's not begrudgingly... Oh, here you come again. This is, come on, Brian, how many times are you going to come and repent? How many times are you going to come and do this? I'll forgive you. 
he loves to break that stuff off of his sons and daughters, to see them healed and restored and launched into his purposes for the kingdom. He loves it. And I want to say, he's not ashamed of you. Some of you who are here today, he's not ashamed of what you did yesterday or even maybe what you did before you came here. He's not ashamed of you. And maybe some of you, you're here and it wasn't even what you did, it's what somebody did to you. And I want to say this, you do not have to repent for the things that were done to you. You do not have to repent for the things that were done to you. I feel like so often we get, we get maybe we come to Jesus and we, we're, we hear about this forgiveness and it's like, okay, but, but I better get on the treadmill of religious service and earn my standing with God. So I'm going to be a good little church person. I'm going to come to church early. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to stack chairs. I'm going to do all this stuff. All the while, we are waiting to hear the blessing of a father saying, you are blessed just as you are. And out of that place, yes, serve. Out of that place, yes, love people and, and do things and administrate a, a box or something, you know, right? Do that. But never, son and daughter, never try to earn your identity. Never. You know, shame has a, a crazy power of really, really messing with you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt shame? What does it do? It changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way you think other people see you. It changes the way you see God. And it changes the way you think God sees you. Now, I need to say this. That there's a reality of shame that is actually somewhat healthy. That when you cross the boundary, when you cross the line, and the alarm goes off like, oh, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That was a bad idea. That's probably good. Right? Shame is like the little oil light on your dashboard of your van. Hey, There's a problem here. Maintenance required. You know? I I have that illustration like personally because our van needs an oil change. I keep seeing it. Every time I start the van, it reminds me of the fact that I haven't taken the van in for an oil change. It's just me confessing, okay? Thanks for hanging out. But shame has a real way of messing with you. It changes the way you think God sees you. And in Zechariah chapter 3, just as we close here, you know, Zechariah has this vision and it says that, that then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Isn't that just what shame is like? You try to worship God. You try to read your Bible. You try to pray. And who's right there? Really? You're going to read your Bible? Why don't we go look at your computer history there Mr. Bible person. And then we'll see if you're really on fire for Jesus. That's such a lying voice. It's such a, such a voice of condemnation that wants to shame you. The Lord said to Satan, this is what I love. See, the Lord doesn't even address Joshua the high priest. Joshua the high priest is actually clothed in some pretty nasty robes from what the scripture said. If you look into the history, yes, there was, there was a reality that this, this false god worship was in, had actually infiltrated into high priests, that they were involved in some of this stuff. So this is kind of what he's speaking to. Okay, the same things I was talking to you about before with the high places, some of this stuff was going on. And 
the Lord doesn't even address Joshua. Isn't that amazing? Like, who's really on trial here? The Lord, it says that the Lord says to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, indeed. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a, a brand plucked from the fire? I love that, man. God speaks in and says, no, you're not going to talk to my son and daughter like that. You're not going to talk to the one whom I gave my life for. You're not going to talk to the son or daughter that I gave my life on the cross for to die for their sin, to present them as righteous before me. You're not going to talk to them like that, Satan. You're not going to address them. And check this out. It says, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the Lord. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes or robes of righteousness. Then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So, so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments with the angel of the Lord was standing by. That's what the Lord loves to do with the things that cause us shame. When we break the silence about them, we're willing to come into the light. First John says, if we confess our sins, God is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want to you stay in the darkness, what grows in the darkness? Some pretty nasty stuff. But if you're willing to respond and come into the light and saying, yes, this isn't even part of, maybe this isn't even part of my life now, but this is part of my life back then. And it feels like every time I try to go forward, every time I try to keep moving forward and grow in Christ, I can't get by this because I can't, I can't get by this voice. It tells me, it lies to me daily. When you're willing to come into the light, the Lord loves to break that stuff off of you remind you again who you are and whose you are and send you out as a weapon for darkness. Could you stand with me? I don't know if um, somebody could come and just play the keyboard. You know, I, um, that was one message, right? But we got a lot of people here and I really believe that that the Lord spoke to you in a way that was really personal. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes one message and, and applies it to many different lives. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just, you just bow your head with me. We're going to pray. And then uh, I just want you to respond. It's just that I begin to name some things. Father, thank you right now. Thank you right now, God, for your abundant grace your abundant mercy. God, even as you're calling some home right now, God, you're calling sons and daughters home again. God, just like the prodigal son, he took, he took all the, his inheritance from, from his dad and he ran off and he wasted it all on crazy living. Yet he remembered what it was like at home. And this young man comes walking down the road and he, the father sees him afar off and he runs and he embraces him. God, thank you. That's what you want to do. 
If you're dealing with shame about things from your past, if you're dealing with shame about things that you used to do, I want you just with every eye closed, I want you just to lift up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm feeling that shame. I'm feeling that guilt. It's lingering in my life. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we break every spiritual tie to the past. We break every spiritual tie to that thing, to that area, to that boundary cross. Lord, we thank you for the reality of your blood that washes away and makes new. Now, if you're dealing with shame because of things that you're doing right now, things that are really part of your life right now, with every eye closed, I want you just to lift your hand. You're not lifting it for me. You're not lifting it for the leadership. This is just a time before God. You're saying, God, I just, I just want to get real. I just want to get real right now. I'm struggling. I'm not going to try to name, name what it is. But God, I just, I just lift this up to you right now. Lord, thank you for the power, God, that comes, the grace that is released when we are willing to turn. God, we're willing to hear your word and we're willing to turn again to your heart and accept your truth into our lives and apply it to our lives. God, thank you for grace. I just declare identity over sons and daughters here today, Lord, that they would not live as slaves any longer, trying to live out of obligation trying to live out of trying to earn their standing with God. But today, God, in this moment, they would live from a son or a daughter. They don't have to strive. They don't have to work. They just get to be. And it's from that place that they live. It's from that place that they go. I think we're going to invite the prayer team to come up and I want to I want to encourage you if, if there was something that the Holy Spirit really really put his finger on today in your life and saying son daughter this I want you I want you to surrender this I want to encourage you just to come and and have a moment of responding and you know what it doesn't have to be something crazy it could just be this one thing this one this one little lie this one little thing that was 20 years ago even We've had times where people have come and it's, and it's, it's not even part of their life now. It's, it's nowhere near their life now, but it was just something that happened. And it's like I said, every time they try to move forward, every time they try to get ahead, every time they try to really pursue God, it's like they're reminded of that one little thing and it just, it just shuts them up. They can't, they can't raise their voice. They can't, they can't do what's really in their heart, what God's really doing in their heart because they trip over it. I really believe that those things can be broken today. I really believe that today can be a new day for you. Amen. Pastor Mike. Amen. So good to have you here, Brian and Bonnie. Thank you for coming with your gang. I just want to encourage you. I know that this is deeply personal and sometimes uh, maybe too private, but God is here to meet with you if you would like prayer. Please feel free to 
find someone at the front that will pray with you. Uh, Brian and Bonnie will be happy to pray with you as well, and my wife and I, of course, and other leaders in the church will pray with you if you would like that. I'm just going to close right now because uh, the the time has come to do that. But uh, take, take hope. Take hope. Take the hope that's been offered. Don't allow the the hopeless and the hopelessness and despair that perhaps gripped your heart in the past to prevent you from receiving this freedom that God has for you today. And I'd like to share a, a, a blessing to you, and I just want to encourage you to receive this by faith right now. It says in uh, Jude, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away And he's able to bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory and majesty and power and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. God bless you today. The coffee's on. The prayer is here. The information table's at the back. Thank you for coming. God bless you.